Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Mavs Film Room Podcast coming to you on Monday, June 6th, 2022 at just after 10 p.m. Central Time. Um, again, just another day here in the Mavs offseason. Uh, obviously, the NBA Finals are going on right now. Uh, it's tied 1-1 with the Warriors having that blowout win last night. I think uh, it, it stings to, to not watch the Mavs in the Finals, but I'm enjoying the offseason right now, and it's been fun to start thinking about how the Mavericks can improve their roster going into the summer because in you know two weeks or so, like it's going to be that time where everyone's going to be in the offseason and it's going to be the draft and then soon thereafter free agency. So uh, the most exciting time of the NBA calendar for a lot of people is coming up very soon. And uh, if you haven't started thinking about the offseason, I think now you're going to. And Nico Harrison actually just gave an interview today uh, on Dallas radio. If you haven't uh, listened to it, go check it out. We also uh, kind of tweeted out like a recap of all his quotes. So um Nothing particularly eye-raising um, for that, but I think the main takeaway is the Mavericks feel very confident that their new team culture can be a factor uh, in their ability uh, to attract players uh, to come to the organization. And so I think I'm going to be looking uh, at that this offseason, and I think everyone else is really going to be seeing uh, can the new regime of Jason Kidd and Nico Harrison um, finally do what the previous regime of Rick Carlisle and Donnie Nelson couldn't do and lure some players here to Dallas to come play with Luca. So, yeah, let's let's get right into it. And to discuss this with me, returning to the podcast once again, it's Yossi Gozlan. He is a salary cap and collective bargaining agreement expert from hoopshype.com. Um, thanks for joining, man. How's it going? I'm doing well, Jay. I'm glad to be back. I'm glad to go over uh, the cap off a successful math season with some optimism and see what they can do next. Yeah, um, it's uh, going to be an interesting offseason for the Mavericks uh, because they're coming off, you know, such a successful playoff run. But at the same time, they also do have very clear holes that they need to fill on their roster. And I think a lot of these holes have been there for the last couple of seasons. Um, and so, as I kind of have said recently, the Mavs are finally in a, a position of strength to be able to, you know, address those those issues for the first time in a while. So, you know, even if it's not necessarily attracting that second star player, I think, you know, just in terms of adding more quality pieces to the roster, like, you know, this is the time to do it. Yeah. And this offseason, I think this is going to be in general one of the more boring off seasons. I, I I think for the most part, NBA fans, they'll always get the their uh, serotonin boost whenever they get a Woj or Shams tweet breaking any type of news. Definitely. But if, you, if we're going to compare what's going to come this offseason to some of the recent ones, I don't think this one's going to be too special, especially on the free agency front. Like, it seems like the biggest players that can – the biggest free agents that could actually move this offseason – or like DeAndre Aiden and Colin Sexton. And like, if those are the, the, the biggest guys, I don't know. It doesn't sound like a very interesting free agency to me, which tells me there's going to, teams are going to have to get more creative. Um, everyone always assume, thinks that uh, when there's no cap space, that means more trades. And yeah, the teams have been more active in trades, but in Dallas's case, trade is their, their path. Now they, tried to do the cap space route 
not just last year, but like the past 10 years never worked out. And now it's not even an option. You don't have to worry about uh, burn, burning out of agency anymore. But let's see, maybe someone, uh, you know, Dallas has to be one of the hottest spots for NBA players right now. It's only a matter of time before somebody says, hey, put me next to Luca." Yeah, that's a great point um, all around. I think like, you know, the Mavs don't have cap space this offseason, but it doesn't feel like they're totally limited because like you said, I mean, the trade market is going to be there for them. And I think they know that too, that uh, that's going to be their, you know, best avenue for improvement. So uh, I'm going to be looking at what they're doing, you know, on draft night and even after that. And we'll get into that in a second. Um, you know, I think on the note of big free agents, like you said, there's not too many of them this offseason. Uh, one one guy I think you forgot was Zach Levine, but uh, by most of the reports, it seems like he's using, you know, these media leaks as leverage to get the deal that he wants in Chicago. Um, and I think Chicago would be foolish to not bring him back. Um, and it seems like he wants to be there, too. So uh, I know his name was floated around, you know, with the Mavericks uh, trying to acquire another all-star caliber player. But I think that's a highly unlikely scenario. And honestly, it's it's good to sort of get that stuff out of the way early so that, you know, they don't waste their time chasing waterfalls and they can really get into the meaningful uh, roster improvements. So I don't really, you know, I'm trying to think where to begin, you know, discussing the Mavs cap situation. I mean, I guess we can sort of start with, how much money they're going to be uh, going into the summer committed to. So um, I'm on sport track right now, looking at their salary cap sheet and, you know, with the cap holes, it looks like they're on the books for around $153 million going into the summer. Um, if I'm not mistaken, the salary cap for this upcoming season is 122 million and the tax apron is 149 million. Um, so just based on those numbers, the Mavericks are going to be going into the summer uh, over the cap, of course, and over the tax threshold, um, right. you know, which means that they're only going to have access to the taxpayer mid-level exception. So I think my first question for you is, um, one, can we see the Mavericks try and, and, you know, do a move to get under the tax apron uh, on draft night or before free agency such that they could get the full mid-level exception? Like, is that a possibility? So right now, the problem with that is that right now, Dallas – uh, if you include their the the pick they're going to have in this year's draft, and uh, assuming Trey Burke opts in and they hold on to Neil Akina, uh, that's a full 15-man roster, roughly 7 mil over the tax. And that's before Jalen Brunson. And so I guess that's the best place to start. Because if, if the Mavs want to use the full mid-level exception – they're going to be hard capped, which means they're probably going to get priced out of re-signing Jalen Brunson. Um, in my, you know, he when we spoke last time, I honestly wasn't, uh, I didn't really know enough about Jalen Brunson to give him like a proper valuation. I was thinking, I was still kind of, I still kind of had the the Clipper series bad taste in my mouth. So I'm like, okay, you know, like maybe just a good regular season guy, and then he's not going to give you that much in the playoffs, in which case I said, okay, maybe, you know, if, if he's not going to really prove it, then I kind of see him like, uh, I, I gave Devonte Graham uh, a comparison where he would make like 12 million a year, just like a really good six man off the bench. But based on what Jalen did this offseason, he's going to earn a lot more than that, potentially double that annually. Um, all the reportings that he's going to get like 20 to 25 million, just, you know, even despite how it went versus the Warriors, the fact that he 
killed the Jazz and was really vital in beating the Suns, I think he's going to most likely still earn 20 to 25 mil on the open market. There's all that. Uh, and it seems like the Mavs are going to have a serious uh, competition with the Knicks. Uh, they just hired his dad as an assistant. So there's going to be team basically like the, the Mavs. I, they're not going to get a discount yeah. to bring him back. So uh, that's, so that's a place to start is I'm guessing they're going to want to resign Brunson. And uh, my feeling is they probably will. I think if I had to guess, they probably, unless he just, unless he really wants to be in the Knicks or something, or just have a different role elsewhere, I would assume he's going to stay with the Mavs. Yeah, and, and Mark Cuban came out like in his first interview after the playoffs and basically said that like we can pay him more than anyone else. So uh, that seems to strongly indicate to me that that they want to bring him back. And, yeah. and all the reports suggest there's mutual interest, but yeah, like you said, they're not going to get a discount on it. So uh, just quick math: if they let's say they give him twenty mil, uh, then they're over twenty five mil over the tax. So now they really can't use the non tax pyramid level. Uh, if they really wanted to, then they could try to salary dump some other players, but I don't think that's quite worth it. Uh, maybe you could dump Hardaway if maybe someone's interested. Uh, you have to cut some more money elsewhere, but I, uh, I don't think at the same time that the, uh, I'm starting to wonder though, like based on the available players this off season, if, a team like the Mavs really needs to like have try to have the uh, the non-tax pyramid level versus the tax pyramid level because there's not a lot of like great talent out there, mm-hmm. and the Mavs already have a pretty set team. Like I said, the main priorities will be bringing back Jalen and then also trying to trade for some like a second guy, presumably a big man, and you and but like if you just look at their free agency needs, like I one, I could see them. I don't know what they need, but like, let's say they want to pursue uh, a backup center. Just like what that's what this, let's say that's what they want to do uh, with their mid-level. You can probably get a handful of solid guys for the taxpayer. Uh, there's guys like uh, Robin Lopez, JaVale McGee, uh, Thomas Bryan, uh, just to name a few. Uh if they want to pursue a really good wing player, uh, like or like a combo forward, like uh, Michael Green or Thaddeus Young, Gallinari, okay, maybe they'll need more. But I believe that there's going to be they'll be able to get a handful of good players with the taxpayer, uh, and I think a lot of teams are going to are going to want to be that way. The other thing is that uh, they don't want to be so you know. Let's say you you bring back Jalen, uh, you're still going to want to not be hard capped later if they're going to pursue a bigger trade elsewhere. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, anyway, I think I spent enough time on that. Cause like, as long as they bring back Jalen, they're going to, they're definitely not going to use the, the big MLE, but they'll probably still get someone good with the taxpayer. Okay. Yeah. That, that's good to know. Cause I think that was one of my bigger questions going into this off season. Um, Cause obviously the Mavericks haven't been a tax team, uh, since they won the championship 11 years ago. So I think it's it's unfamiliar territory for a lot of us Mavs fans. Um, but, you know, another thing the Mavs, you know, have at their disposal, so to speak, is they have quite a few um, expiring contracts on their books. You know, Frank Nilakina, Marquise Chris, Sterling Brown, Trey Burke, 
uh, Maxi Kleva, Dwight Powell. I think those are all their guys that have some form of an expiring contract uh, going into this offseason. So, you know, in related in relation to, I guess, like getting under the tax apron, like I was I was thinking like, you know, I think the Mavs first priority is probably going to be to clear some roster spots for free agency um, or for trades, just because, like you said, right now they have a full 15 man roster. Uh, with not that many players coming off the books uh, this offseason. So, um, I mean, you know, I'm wondering, like, you know, could they try and dump Dwight Powell, for example, whose 11 million would allow them to get under the, under the tax apron and also free up a roster spot or even use as a salary match as well? Yeah, uh, I was more so, I, I think it'll be easier. I think we're more likely to see them dump guys like Trey Burke, yeah. uh, Sterling Brown, Um I wouldn't be surprised. Maybe they they just offload their their first round pick. They a lot and a, there's a lot of uh, like I could go back to some of the there's times they just like dump the pick with for not much. Maybe they try to offer that to dump some more roster spots. Um, they could cut Mark. Uh, what's his name? Frank Nilikina. Uh, Marquise Chris has another guaranteed year, but maybe they could try to dump it. I'm so I'm, I'm guessing just for like getting rid of roster spots. Uh, they probably start with the cheaper guys. Uh, now with the more expensive guys, that's where I think they want to try to make a, a use of salaries for a big trade. Mm-hmm. And I think in an, uh, in an ideal world, they keep all the guys that were part of their run this year. And maybe they just try to, a package Hardaway and, and Powell. Because, uh, you know, if they're going to get a bit, I think Powell's pretty expendable. He's got another year left, and I'm sure they'd like to upgrade that center. Yeah, in a perfect world, they they move guys like Powell, Bertans, and Hardaway. Uh, but that's the one. And, you know, that's the thing that um, we can, I guess we can discuss next is that um, Dallas doesn't necessarily have the strongest trade package in my opinion yeah yeah i would imagine that outside of luca and jalen brunson in a sign and trade that dorian finney smith probably has the most trade value after that and i could i do not see them wanting to part ways with him at all i I don't think there's any chance they they do that right now unless they have like a a surefire like all-star that they can get in return yeah it needs to be a major wing upgrade um, and that's the beauty about this mass team is that I think you've really got uh, the, a set roster. Like if you can put a second guy with Luca, like that is one hell of a supporting cast. And Dorian is a big part of that. So well, the, the, uh, so then it comes down to, uh, I guess, like them mortgaging their draft, so to speak. Because uh, you've seen star players get traded for all the picks a, a team has to offer as much as they can trade. And that has value. Like the Nets got James Harden for that and Lavert and Jared Allen. So, yeah, like there is an, there is an offer there. Uh, and it'll probably take a lot of uh, a certain – a big factor will be a certain player trying to angle his way to the Mavs to, to – uh, yeah get the ball rolling on that. But like, if we're, but if there is going to be like a, like an actual bidding war, like, okay, who this player goes to the best package. I mean, the Knicks Pelicans, 
just to name a few teams I would uh, consider have much stronger offers if they want to get like uh, uh, some star player. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I think training for stars these days is the name of the game is draft capital and the Mavericks are still tied up with the Porzingis trade. Like they still owe the Knicks one more first round pick. I believe Um, that's next year's pick. So the Mavs can't trade, um, you know, any draft picks, any future draft picks until 2027, really, uh, because that that Knicks pick that they owe next year is also uh, protected for the top. 10 or the top five, I think. And so uh, until that pick conveys, like they can't trade future picks. So, um, you know, of course, when they get to the draft in like this year or in 2024, they could trade the pick on draft night, but uh, they can't do future picks uh, until, until that Knicks uh, pick conveys. So that's kind of uh, the issue with that. And so, yeah, it's really going to take a star and saying like, I want to go to Dallas uh, for them to really get in the conversation for that. But yeah. I think the good thing is also their their team building philosophy uh, seems to be at least headed right now in a direction where it's Luca surrounded by a lot of high quality role players, um, you know, building on the success of the season. Now, I will clarify that like the, the maps can actually go around and trade. I want to say they could trade like actually three first round picks. It's possible. Uh, so, yeah, you're right. The, they are because of the pick they owe to the Knicks, it's protected through 2025. Technically, they can't trade at first till 2027, but a team can agree to. Uh, so, like, step in rule allows you to trade a pick two years after uh, one you owe is conveyed. So, if you look at so the, so the pick's top 10 protected next year, like that pick is going to convey to the Knicks. Yeah. So, so a team could agree to take a 2025 first from the Mavs, even though it's technically encumbered to the Knicks, but they have to accept it on the condition that uh, it would have to, that it would have to convey by 2023 for them to get it, which it probably will, unless there's like a, unless they have a disaster season. So they could, so then they could trade a 2025, 27 and a 29 this off season. Hmm. So like the, the, so despite that, pick being out there like they can still put together uh they could still put together like that type of draft pick offer uh it's possible okay that's interesting i actually didn't know that so in other words like you know the maps could trade their 2025 pick for example but um it would just be under the condition or the other team would be accepting it under the condition that that pick could convey to the knicks yeah, and if it does, then they just have to agree, like, okay, if instead of a 2025 first, maybe the Mavs give up two seconds, something like that. That's usually how that stuff goes. Like, okay. So, yeah, you're technically trading the first twice, but obviously it can only go to one team. Interesting. Yeah, I actually have never heard that kind of uh, nuance to the stepping rule yeah. before. Um, and I think most people on Mavs Twitter probably don't know that either. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Um, yeah. So yeah, basically they, they can offer three first. It's possible. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, I guess <laughs> I guess that's good um, because yeah, you know, even with with this year's pick, I mean, they have the twenty sixth pick in the draft, which I mean, there's no guarantee you get uh, an immediate contrib- contributor, which and I think the Mavericks are going to be looking for. Uh, I don't think they really have the appetite right now to you know pick a guy that they think is like t- two or three years away. Um, given their, you know, given Luca's extension is kicking in, they're very clearly in, in win now mode. And and Nico Harrison has also said multiple times at this point, like there's no guarantee that 
a player that we like is available at, at 26, uh, though he also said that they're not actively shopping their, their first round pick. So um, I think it's anyone's guess to see what the Mavs do um, with their first round pick in the draft this year. But, you know, they have Tim Hardaway's uh, $19 million salary, which would be good in, in matching for like a, another quality, you know, starter or rotation piece. Um, it just really comes down to whether like Tim Hardaway in the 26th pick is enough for you to, you know, get a, get that, you know, sort of player uh, to Dallas. Yep. Uh, so I guess, uh, and then the real, then the other question is like, if I kind of view all these guys like Hardaway and uh, Powell, just basically salary filler. Like I would, uh, I would guess a, your a team could, could, cons- look at taking in Hardaway as buying low, which because he's still a very productive player. Um, you know, like Bertans works really well for you guys, but I can't see another team looking at him as a buy low opportunity, kind of like it worked out for Dallas. So, but, but still Hardaway and Powell, that's uh, roughly $31 million. Uh, that's a really good that's a really good starting point. You can get just about, you know, you can get most players in the league with that. Yeah. And, and I think like uh, Tim Hardaway is probably like their biggest trade candidate, I guess, of all the significant players that they could trade um, just because like, even during the season, like his fit wasn't always good. Um, and then of course he got hurt right around the time that they made the trade for Dinwiddie and Bretons. Um, But if you kind of look at the skill set. Uh, of Dinwiddie coming off the bench and being that that scoring guard that Tim Hardaway used to be, um, you know, obviously they could have benefited from having Tim Hardaway like in the playoffs, but defensively, I think those lineups would have suffered. And you know, from all the the, the quotes from Jason Kidd and Nico Harrison, it seems like defense is a skill that they're really going to prioritize this offseason. And so, uh, when you look at a guy like Tim Hardaway, who's really um, as, as offensive specialist, I, I find that he's kind of the odd man out. Uh, but like you said, like it's it's going to come down to a team um, wanting to buy low on him because I mean he is a qual- you know he is a quality player, but obviously uh, was having a rough year and then he got hurt, so his value isn't as high as it probably should be. Yep. So uh, let me ask you, like, are there any specific players you? have in mind that you think or might be realistic that I should pursue? I have a few. I, you know, admittedly, like the hypothetical player thing is a little bit difficult for me. But um, I mean, knowing that the Mavericks need a big man and that's kind of been their their very clearly stated offseason goal. I mean, Miles Turner has been a name that they've been linked to for some time, and he's a a native of the Dallas area. Um, He's been in a lot of the games during the playoffs, too. So um, there's probably some mutual interest there. I, I think his contract is expiring and it's around 20 million. So it's not an enormous deal. Um, Cause I know that there's some concern about uh, paying like a high dollar big man. Uh, but with him, I think his salary is manageable enough. Uh, like if, if Rick Carlisle wants to take back Tim Hardaway Jr. Like maybe there's a deal that could be made there. Um, another name is Rashawn Holmes, who seems like he's on his way out of uh, Sacramento as well. And he is on a pretty reasonable deal too. And I think, uh, you know, he brings a pretty useful skill set to the Mavs uh, with like his rim rolling and rebounding um, and even shot blocking. So those are two names that have come to mind. Um, And then like, I guess like in addition to a big, I think like another wing uh, and or another scorer is something the Mavericks need to prioritize this offseason. Just a guy who can create his own shot. 
Um, I'm not sure what the market is going to be like for a guy like uh, TJ Warren, but he's someone who I've always kind of wanted on the Mavs, but he's been out for the last year, like with that foot injury, I believe. So um, can't imagine his value is too high, but at the same time, like, you know, when he played, he was uh, very clearly a capable scorer and, you know, even had that 50 point game in the bubble. So um, he's a name that comes to mind uh, to me as well. Honestly, those are some very realistic names in my opinion. I think like I've listened to other, some other podcasts of like other teams, players like, Oh, I want people are like, Oh, I want Donovan Mitchell or uh, Rudy Gobert. Like these are like, I think miles Turner is excellent for what Dallas is trying to do. Uh, like for example, if you, if you were to trade for Rudy Gobert, that completely changes a lot of what made you guys successful this year. But Miles Turner, you could just plug right in and continue, but be even better on both ends with him. Um, and as far as the money, yeah, he's expiring. He'll be, he's, he, but he can extend for like four years, 96 million, something like that. So it'd be, so like he's going to make like 18 mil, but you can, he'd be making 20 million plus ascending each year. I think that's really good for what he brings. And it, that extension just seems like, reasonable enough that i can see him accepting it um so yeah i really like miles turner for you guys and i like the idea that the price for a guy like miles turner isn't so exorbitant that you could probably maybe even go get someone else that might be available uh like like a wing player you mentioned um and um who were some of the other players you mentioned oh yeah uh Rashawn Holmes. Rashawn Holmes and TJ Warren. Yeah, Rashawn Holmes definitely seems like a guy that's gettable, but I, if I'm Sacramento, maybe I would hold on to him at this point. Uh, he had a big down season, probably not going to get too much for him, but you know he can be a pretty excellent backup center. Um, yeah, uh, so it just uh, it's it just tough though because everyone's going to be trying to make a trade for somebody this off season. And assuming the, the other thing though, Dallas is kind of as a, at a disadvantage where if they want to sign and trade for somebody that's probably, that probably isn't going to happen. Uh, so long they bring back Jalen Brunson, or it might mean that they won't bring back Jalen Brunson because uh, of the hard cap that uh, follows by acquiring a free agent in a sign and trade. So uh, one one player that I've kind of thought about, I don't, you know, probably a long shot, but like Zach Levine, for example, mm. uh, if he were to want to leave, I feel like a team like Dallas or Miami makes a ton of sense. So that's something where maybe you can use Jalen into a sign and trade, bring back Levine and, instead of paying Brunson, um, you know, uh, might not. Uh, might hurt you a little bit defensively, but um, I think, and I, you know, I, I mean, he's bigger than Brunson, so it could definitely work out. Yeah, I mean, and Levine is a guy who can give you 25 or 30 on any given night. So, I mean, as great as Jalen Brunson has been for the Mavericks, I mean, if that deal is on the table, uh, I feel like you got to do it. Um, you know, it, it raises your ceiling tremendously. But um, like I said, I, I think, Levine is going to go back to Chicago, but I guess yeah. who knows at this point. Um, no, I, I, yeah. I think he will. It seems like yeah. a lot of noise from his camp. 
Yeah, that seems to be the read on that situation that they're they're trying to raise like the the buzz or the drama around him uh, to build his value. It seems like the the clutch play, but you know, yeah, we'll see. <laughs> um, you know, I guess like a another guy that comes to mind too, like is Harrison Barnes. I mean, he has a history playing for the Mavericks, um, and they traded him uh, Luca's rookie year. But he's, in my opinion, I think a much different player now than he used to be in. Uh, is probably well suited to play in a, a secondary or tertiary role uh, now as opposed to back then. So um, I don't know what Sacramento's appetite to trading him would be or what his appetite to coming back to Dallas would be, but that's uh, a guy that that you know makes a you know some sense I think in this system too. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. To be honest, though, like you you know you mentioned Holmes and Barnes, definitely two guys that I think make a lot of sense for Dallas. Just not sure what Sacramento's angling for. Like, it feels like they're trying to package those guys with the number four pick. Yeah, yeah. Or just the best player they can get. Like, in a, like, I feel like a Barnes and number four type of package is fair for a guy like Chris Middleton, but he's not, he's not going to be available. But that's definitely the kind of thing they'd probably be angling for in a perfect world. And, you know, if, the, if he was available, then, I don't, you know, I think the Mavs would be trying to get him too. But yeah. yeah, it definitely seems like Sacramento is angling for that, you know, another all-star type trade after they, they got Sabonis. I think they're pretty impatient now in terms of winning, uh, which, I mean, I think makes sense after missing the playoffs for 16 years. Yep. Uh, you kind of run out of patience. So, uh, yeah, that's another pretty interesting thing that's going on. Like between them and Portland, there's going to be some – you know, big time lottery picks that are available to be had by trade. So that's going to have a chance to set the trade market, I think. Yeah, I don't get why Portland wants to trade the number seven for a, like a veteran guy. I would just draft him and develop him. Yeah, I guess it de- depends on who they can get. Like, I guess if you could get like Bradley Beal, um, which I, I mean, I don't think that's realistic at all. But if you could get someone like that, then maybe it makes sense. But um I agree. I don't see any sort of star being available at this point that makes uh, trading number seven worth it. Like, you know, it's a little tangent, but I feel like even if Portland were to get a guy like Levine or Beal, like that's being rumored, I feel like it, they're just more or less the same team they were mm-hmm. just before they traded McCollum. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, that, that's 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 really true. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we'll see if they've learned from their mistakes. Yeah, like it just seems like the same exact. Well, let's see if they could uh, like improve the def- the rest of the defense. But yeah, I think they were so bad defensively with Lillard and McCollum that you know if they try and replicate that again, like they may run into the same issues. Yeah, hundred percent. Is there anything else you had in mind? I think that's about it. I mean, there was some minor stuff. Like I know that they they want to bring back like Theo Pinson, but I think he's no longer eligible for like a, a two way contract. So um, yeah, are gonna have to clear a roster spot for him basically. Yeah, I mean, that's as easy as just cutting Nilakina yeah. or trading one of those other guys I mentioned. Yeah, I saw that too, that they want to bring back Theo Pinson. I, yeah, I believe his two-way eligibility is up, so it would have to be a uh, just a regular veteran minimum contract at least. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, I think that was a really, you know, really helpful discussion, especially the point about uh, you know, being able to trade future draft picks. I don't think many Mavs fans knew about that. So uh, appreciate you dishing on on that. And 
Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be an exciting offseason for the Mavs. I think they have a good foundation uh, based on this season, and now it's really just about uh, building on this and, and acquiring more more talent, basically, to get, get yeah. a deeper roster and try and uh, make a run for it next season. Let me add one question before we, we end this after you. Do you think this is the offseason where Luca gets ripped, super chiseled? Do you think this would be the offseason or not yet? I don't know if he's going to get, you know, ripped and super chiseled, but I think that he'll come into camp like in better shape um, because he's playing for the national team this summer again. Um, and I think after hearing all the noise uh, throughout the year, it's probably uh, going to be on his mind. And, and I think Jason Kidd has also made it a point to him too, that he needs to be in shape. So I expect to, yeah. he'll lose, you know, not I, coming to camp overweight. Yeah. No, no. I mean, he, he could be in, in good shape. I just, believe that one of these years he's gonna like be get obsessed with it and come out like the best elite shape i think it's gonna come one of these years but yeah i kind of feel like like while he'll slowly get in the better shape probably not yet to the like to that point i'm talking about yeah i agree i think that's a few years away yeah yeah well yeah All right, Jay. appreciate you coming on yossi thanks for, for you having me on on the cap and look forward to talking to you soon all right, guys, hope you enjoyed my conversation with Yossi Goslan of HoopsType.com. He's super knowledgeable about the salary cap and the CBA, so I appreciate him coming on again and dishing on that with me uh, because I think this season uh, in particular, the salary cap is going to be important for the Mavericks uh, since they're above the cap and above the tax apron. So, um, yeah, you know, be sure to follow him uh, on Twitter at Yossi Goslan. Uh, that's at Y-O-S-S-I-G-O-Z-L-A-N. You know, he's going to be tweeting all summer about the salary cap and uh, different things related to that. So he's a great follow. Um, and you can find his work on HoopsHype.com. He wrote a great primer on the Mavs offseason. And we've put the link to that in the description for this episode. So check that out when you can. Um, and yeah, follow us on Twitter at Mavs Film Room. Uh, we'll be, you know, tweeting all through the summer uh, and aggregating all the news that we can find about the Mavericks. So uh, don't miss out on that. And, you know, subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, download our episodes. Uh, we appreciate you listening. Um, and we're going to be back with more regular episodes this summer. So uh, be sure to be on the lookout for that. Uh, and we'll see you soon.